Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. And I am so glad that you're listening in. During this episode, you're going to learn about why and how to increase your readership, why it's so very important. And let me tell you, folks, readership is our lifeblood as writers. And if we can increase that readership, then the longevity of our project, it just goes and goes and goes. And that's really what we want. We want what God has given us to be able to bless and influence lives for an extended period of time. But there has to be a little bit of work on our side. What does that look like? What are we supposed to do? How can we do it in such a way that we don't lose the element of our faith, standing on who God has designed us to be? We don't necessarily want to be like the rest of the world, but there are certain actions, certain things that we must do as authors, as students of the word, and also those that are choosing to make the most of what God has given us, we're going to have to be responsible for it. My industry expert is Blythe Daniel. Blythe has been in publishing for over 20 years. She's a marketer, author, literary agent, and has written for Focus on the Family, Christian Retailing, and others. She and her mother co-wrote Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. She lives in Colorado with her husband and children. It is so great to have you back on with us right here on Your Best Writing Life, Blythe. Thank you so much, Linda. I I love what you are doing to encourage writers. And I'm just so thrilled to be a part of that because that's that's where we jam together. That's what we love doing. And through Blue Ridge and this podcast is an extension of that. uh, It is just so um, such a privilege to be able to talk to writers and encourage them along their journey. Well, you're someone who knows of whence they're coming. <laughs> you you have you really have areas of influence in so many facets of the industry. So what you bring to us is dynamic, it's current, and it's relevant. And that's what we need to have today for us to stay on our game as writers. So today we're going to be looking at why and how to increase our readership or build up our audience. And so let's just kick it off. I'm going to ask the first question. Why must we have a built-in readership? Because this is something you say is very important for us. It really is. Um, You know, I'm just, this this example just came to me. And um, if you think about uh, kids that are in school, maybe out on the playground or just heading into school and they, they're alone, but all of a sudden they have people backing them. They have friends behind them, uh, to face a bully or to face a situation. And, and that's really, if you think about in a writer setting, um, we aren't alone. We have people behind us to back us up when we feel like we've been bullied by someone that maybe doesn't have the same desire or goals for us with our writing or someone who's spoken an unkind word to us. But like we need people. We need a readership. We need and we need an audience. And so um, it's just so important that writers uh, create these intentional relationships. And, and I would say that when writers create intentional relationships with readers, um, what that 
also does is that it shows that there's relational investment of the author. It shows publishers. It shows readers. It it just shows that you are willing to make the time to uh, create space in your life for other people and people particularly that are interested in what you are writing about. I mean, you could be writing a blog. You could be writing a book articles. There's a number of different types of writing outlets, but, but why we need a readership and why we need to have this audience that we're trying to build is that it shows relational investment. And that is, as you know, Linda, is so key for anything that you're going to be successful in, and particularly in the journey of writing and becoming a published author. Mm, um, this is this is this is so true, and I'm I'm going to touch on that before we go to that next point under there, Blythe, because what you what you said just really resonates with me. There are so many options for our readers today. There are so many other writers vying for the attention of our audience. So if I know that you, as an author, that you're investing time in me. It's exactly what you said. It's that relational investment where I see you not as an author. I see you as someone who is thinking about me and communicating directly to me. And I'm going to make time for you. And I'm going to make time for what it is that you're writing and what you're saying. So I greatly appreciate that point. That, that is most excellent. Well, thank you. And and I think that, you know, I think that another part of that that you just touched on a little bit is that it does, when we have a readership and we, we're building our audience, it shows that we're spending time with our audience in a way that we're wanting to meet their needs. And so uh, a second part of why we need an audience, why we need a readership is that we need to be able to show time that we're spending with our readers, that we know what they're interested in, that we know why they're coming to us for our content. Um, And it just shows that we are not too busy just writing, 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 and not tuned in to who it is that's following us, to to who it is that wants to read what we have to offer. Um, I'll give a a quick example of just any time we spend time with a family member or um, someone significant to us, it just strengthens our relationship. And I've had the privilege of being able to spend some time with um, two of my kids this summer with writing opportunities, taking them to writers conferences and really just trying to pour in time with them and for them to see that, Hey, maybe I'm their audience, but also that I'm invested in what they're doing. And so, so the time investment is so big because it shows that, that you're not too busy to just do the writing craft, but you, you really are trying to hear other people, see what they're interested in. And that, that really actually does strengthen your own writing. Uh, So that would be the second reason. Absolutely. It does. And I can see how that works. And I like that you brought in the family because Mm -hmm. truly our secondary relationship as authors is to the family of our readers. So that correlation is perfect. And you say that having that built in readership or audience gives us a measurable way to see our traction. Talk, talk Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, so there there are different ways that you can see that you are really creating traction with the people that are tuned into you. So some of those are just going to be, you know, you can see that you're getting more engagement um, in the comments 
on a post, or you can see that you're getting more likes and comments. You can see that you're getting more people resharing things that you put on social media, or maybe you're, you're, um, the number of people that have subscribed to your newsletter, your email list, that that's growing and that people are forwarding on what the content that you're sharing, that maybe there's forwarding on your emails to other people and people are finding out about you. So it, it is important to see that what you're doing has some traction. And, and sometimes people go, well, I don't really see that people are, that I'm getting new followers. I don't really see that, you know, I'm adding to my numbers, so to say, um, a lot of times it can be discouraging because on the weeks that we are looking for those markers, we may not find them. But then the following week, you might get a couple of emails of, I discovered your blog or I discovered, you know, your, um, your book or your article. And so I think a lot of times we give up on ourselves too early to know that those measurements are coming. Um, and sometimes we can, we can focus on that more than we can our writing. So yes, it's important and there are measurable ways to see the traction that you're creating, but I can't, but that can't be our focus of every week. Let me see how many numbers have I, you know, increased in social media and other things. So, um, but it, it, it is why we need to build nights because we, we need to see that people are engaging with us. And sometimes we can see if they don't engage that week, we, we might not see that much growth. Maybe what we shared was off topic or didn't get a good response. And so I think that's important for readers, uh, for writers to see how readers are connecting with their content. Um, maybe it's silence, maybe it's not that much, uh, traction that week. So it's really good to see how we can measure what we're doing as to how readers are, um, are taking it. Yeah, that's great. And then you say that if we are creating that built-in readership, communicating, having that relational investment, have spending time with our audience and have the ability to track it. You said this really helps in the publishing opportunity mm -hmm. as well. It really does put you ahead of publishing opportunities because you've shown that you know who your audience is and that you're relating to them. And you, you know, you may even have a very detailed bar graph of the demographics of your audience, who they are, their age, their likes and dislikes. And that just shows publishers that you really have defined the individuals that are reading you. And so that puts you ahead of opportunities than for maybe another person who doesn't have that specific information. And so ways that I've seen people measure this is to take, you know, surveys periodically, maybe once or twice a year, where they ask, um, what was the last book that you purchased? Where do you see yourself, um, purchasing books? What are some of your favorite titles? What are some of the other stores that you like to shop in? Um, and so if you, if anybody has run any ads on Facebook, you know, that they asks you, they ask you to define these different audience groups, where they shop, um, what types of topics they like to buy in books. So it's very similar, very transferable to the way that Facebook, um, puts together ads for an audience. And, and that's very helpful for you to do, um, as, as a writer to know these very specific things. And so publishers really, uh, they, they need to see that information. If they're going to be able to make a decision about the book that you're proposing, um, because they know that you have really outlined who it is that you're speaking to. And, and if you're writing articles, uh, for a website or some other entity, um, you know, a ministry or a church or something, it's really helpful for you to ask for that information just so that you know 
how you can best reach that reader. So if it's not given to you, I would, I would ask, can you share with me the profile of the audience that you all reach? That would be helpful for me when I'm writing an article is to know the demographics of who you reach. So I would just encourage people to, um, to, to do that as well. It's a, it's a helpful step. Oh, that's excellent. So we kind of know the why. This is the why we must have built-in readership, built-in audience, knowing that it's we're investing ourselves into those who are going to really be the, we don't want to say it this way, but kind of the bread and butter of our writing future. And we want to make sure that we are filling a need for those who are taking their time, their time is precious for those mm -hmm. taking their time to listen, to read, to be exposed to what it is that we're offering them. So a great next, next question on this Blythe would be, how do we go about increasing our following? Because it's not just readers. It can be those that are listening to us and those that are, that are watching us. And so why don't you touch on that? Yeah, that's great. So as to your comment, uh, Linda, too, about people that are listening to us, just like you have this podcast, um, one of the primary ways that um, people are increasing their uh, audience and the people that are tuning into them is through podcasts. So Linda, I know you know this already, but it was it's so interesting to me that in 2020, there were 700,000 podcasts, but in 2021, there were 850,000 podcasts with over 48 million total episodes. And I uh, researched this through Neil Schaefer's website. And so what a huge jump um, in podcasts. And so this has become, as you know, Linda, like a primary form of communicating. People can get information, they can listen, they can be entertained, they can be inspired in, um, in a podcast that they may not be able to read some of that information in a book or they they just prefer audio. Um, and so interestingly enough, over 37% of Americans listen to podcasts monthly. So podcasts really offer the opportunity for you to grow a community, um, because there is just so many, such a, I guess, a demand, but also just um, an interest in audio. Um, and this is really even transferable to audiobook listenerships. They, they love podcasts, but po podcast communities can really help you um, when you are sharing your content, when you're networking with other podcasters, there's, you're exchanging your audience for theirs and vice versa. They're, you're sharing audience. And so it's a great way to grow your listenership of your content. And, you know, for people that are like, I don't know that I could, could, record a podcast every week. Well, we know that podcasters do things in seasons. So certain seasons they will record and then they'll repeat those episodes. They'll replay them um, while you are creating new ones. So you don't have to be someone who sees this as a full-time job and does this all the time. I mean, there's ways to um, put some content out there and, and build up uh, content and then continue to create new. But but another really good thing about having a podcast is that it it is it can be a place where you create content that can actually become the basis of a book. And so it's a great place to test. Like, let's say that you're not sure what your book is going to be about. You have some ideas. It's a great place to test content and see what kind of response you get. And so, yeah, podcasting is just a great way to network with other podcasters and dive into a form of communication that is really hot right now. 
Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's a great way. Um, another way that we talk about, you know, how to grow an audience, um, is a blog. Um, some people might say, well, gosh, I thought blogs were kind of passe. I mean, wasn't that a thing a number of years ago? And, and they, it, it did start, you know, um, I remember back in 2015, I was asking publishers, what's the number one way that people are buying your books. And back then it was podcast. I'm sorry, it was blogs. Um, now it's probably podcasts, but, uh, but blogs have, have been a steady flow of information and, and still even in 2021, there were 570 million blogs. Um, and so many blog specific websites, have um, maybe sites or micro sites where they have a section about books and they have articles. And so we're still finding in our agency and talking with publishers that people are still reading blogs and buying books this way. Um, and the thing about the blog that's so important is if you're a writer, people, then you typically love blogs because you can maintain the heart of what it is that you like to do. Your words are um, are written on a, on a site for people to see. Blogs can be archived and accessible for years. So the, the thing about blogs that I think is important to know is that you, um, you know, you really want to be, I would say pithy. You, you want to make sure that you're not oversharing and, and just writing on and on because people aren't interested in long posts. Um, and that's, that's something that, you know, as we've evolved in blog world, the shorter post you know, you want to give them something that makes them want to read more. So um, blogs also have keywords that can be searched and people can find out about you by searching for a keyword. So you want to work with a really good SEO uh, search engine optimization um, person who knows how to create those keywords in posts and also with uh, the metadata, what they would be able to find your blog and that kind of thing. So um so yeah, blogs are also really important. And, and I know that, you know, Linda, you too have been a contributor to the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers blog. And, and that is a primary way that people are learning about the craft of writing as well. Absolutely. And if we are in a variety of places, then it gives our readers, our audience, more opportunities to find us. What we don't want to do is hide our light under a barrel and then hope that someone knocks over the, the barrel. We want to be visible. And in order to be visible, we need to put our work where it can be found. And mm -hmm. so we're talking podcasts. We're talking blogs. What do you have next for us? Yes. You know, a, another source, you talked a few minutes ago about how people can see us and YouTube is a great source for people to see you and hear you share a message. And so I feel like creating a presence on YouTube can really catapult a person's um, audience. And that is because that's become such a viable place for people. If they want to just research a specific kind of video, um, if they have, you know, an idea of, um, a person or, or just really even just, you know, Christian YouTubers are big now and the youth are really flocking to YouTube. And so to be relevant, it, it is a good idea to create a YouTube account it, and it can hold your, your video content. Um, people have done teaching, you know, videos, or they've just done, you know, short videos, they call them shorts, um, where they're just sharing a specific, activity or a thought. And so it's a great place for people to find you. And it shows that you're multi 
versatile, I guess, if that's even a word, um, with your, with your readership and your audience and that you aren't just someone that can write, but you also know how to speak and you also know how to carry yourself and present your content in a way that people can receive it. Because some people, you know, they may read a blog or they may listen to a podcast and then others are more visual. They like to see the author. And so they're looking at YouTube content. They're looking at some of their favorite pastors and some of their favorite teachers on YouTube. So um, it, it is just a, it's a newer medium that people are creating their own channels on YouTube, but I would suggest that this is another way to increase your audience. And then another, uh, another area for readership is the newsletters and, um, creating opportunities for people to hear what you want to share, what's on your mind, what are you going through? What can people be thinking about or praying about for you? And, and yes, we do talk about what writing projects we have going on, but emails are still the, the very best way for you to connect with a reader because these are people that are housed, their email addresses are housed on some sort of a site, whether it's you use MailChimp or another form of collecting email addresses. But these are people who have said, I want what you have to offer. And, and so you know, when we put things out on social media, it can, it can go in a second. And, and some people see it and a lot of people don't, but e-newsletters and e-blasts, those kinds of things, that is your content that goes to your list. And you have a lot more control over who sees that. And so, um, it's just a great way to connect with people. And, you know, I see people doing all kinds of giveaways and free downloads, PDFs, um, to get people to sign up for their e-newsletters. E whatever it takes, you know, for people to feel like, Hey, this is a value for me, um, to continue to receive these emails. But that really is the best way to increase your readership is put some content out there on a regular basis. That could be, you know, once every two weeks or once a month, I wouldn't suggest that you go every week until you've built up a little bit more, uh, followers and content, but it really is a great way to increase readership because they know you and you're the person sending the email versus, what metrics that Facebook or another social media outlet determines what people will see your content. Like this is just totally under your control. And that's why publishers look at this so closely is that they know that, you know, writers will um, create their own list of subscribers. And those people are likely to, you know, read what they have to offer, offer whether it's an article or whether it's a uh, book. Um, so the, the newsletter, e-newsletter e um, is really important. And then just along the lines of that, I talked about social media, but um, social media I think about is, is so much about connecting in different ways. You know, um, somebody had shared maybe a couple of years ago, I was listening to how, you know, Facebook is like sitting out on the front porch and, uh, and just sharing what's happening, the news of the day. And Instagram is like a yearbook and everybody is signing your yearbook and you're just exchanging photos and, uh, and words with each other, shorter content. And so, um, and, and Twitter, um, was, was almost just like, um, how to edit your words in an English class because you have, you have a certain number of characters. And so different people use social media for different purposes, but, um, but social media is, is really a place for you to connect with people. And it, it isn't, it is not just about selling books as it is about that relational investment where we talked about that earlier. Um, it is a place for you to get to know other people, for them to get to know what's going on in your life and for you to get to know what's going on in their life. 
and just bringing people into your everyday. I think that's where people, uh, they just want to connect these days. And we're so Mm. quick to, you know, um, you know, put, put something out there and, and hope that people respond, but, but we, are we the ones that are investing in other people? And I think that's Mm. a lot of what social media is about. I agree with that. Um, I agree also that all of these areas are areas that we can serve others. And if we bring that mindset of, I have a reader, how can I best serve my reader? How can I best serve my audience? If I'm putting their needs in front of my desire for gain, my desire for, you know, publicity, my desire for the invitation to the table, if I am just totally serving my audience, they're going to receive it. They're going to want more. They're going to invite their friends. They're going to want everyone to come and experience what it is that we are offering to them. And all of these are excellent areas, your podcast, your blogs, your newsletters, YouTube, social media, but I'm going to, not a but, but, and there always seems to be the issue of hesitation. Mm -hmm. Everything that you've shared so far, Blythe, has been fantastic. It's doable. This is our understanding. This is what we, we know we need. We must participate for our readership to grow but there's hesitation. So how do we, as writers, as authors, how do we get past the hesitation to participate in the ways that you have suggested to us? Yeah, that it's such a good point, um, that there is this hesitation and, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a conversation that I had with my kids recently. And because my kids, as I said earlier, have gone with me to a couple of writers conferences this season. And they said, mom, you know, a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people. And I said, I do, but I didn't used to be like that. I said, I, when I first um, got involved in publishing, I knew no one no one. And I, I quickly learned that if I was going to, um, make friends in a new town and work in publishing, that I was going to have to be the one to start talking. And so I learned how to get out of my shy, um, inner self and, and, and really work up the courage to start the process of getting to know people. And so, um, I think that's where we have to start thinking about, okay, I'm a writer and sometimes writers are the most sociable, you know, they, they like to just write. And so I don't feel like people have to go from zero to 180. You know, there is a happy medium in there. Um, but, but we do <laughs> need to begin to get past the feeling of like, no one wants to hear from me and hear me promote my book. Like I'm right. a writer and I don't really have a lot to say. Um, and, and I don't want to feel like all I'm doing is pointing to myself Um, and so to that, I would say, you know, when you're having a conversation, like maybe you're married and you started dating, um, when you dated your spouse and you were having these conversations and you probably didn't start coming out like with everything that you had in you, it was a very slow crawl. Um, and that's kind of the way it is in this process of putting ourselves out there. Um, maybe, maybe you're a teacher and you are slowly getting to know the students in your classroom. You don't just come out the first day and tell them everything about you. So, um, I see it as really a a progression of, of having conversations with people and, 
the reason I think it's so important that we do have conversations about what we're writing is that you're spending so much time writing and you want people to read what you've written. And so it, it's less about putting your name out there and having people come and find you for just the sake of you feeling good about yourself to you putting your name out there and you having people come and check out what you're writing because you believe it can potentially change their lives. It can potentially be the thing that they need to hear on a specific day. And mm-hmm. so that's where I choose to focus. And, you know, I've, I've been promoting a couple of books that I've written and I, I look at it as that I want to offer tools to people that they might not have known otherwise. And so I don't yes. see it as really, you know, promoting who I am and what I'm trying to do as much as it is. This is a resource that I want to put into your hands. Mm, that's very good. I like that. You frame that you frame that in such a way that it gives us the opportunity to step over that threshold, not be fearful. But to know that's the whole reason why we wrote or why we write what we write is to help others to make it through what God has helped us walk through or to understand something better or perhaps just for entertainment with that that biblical thread that goes through there. What we write is for the purpose of helping, encouraging, equipping, giving laughter to someone else. And if they don't know about it, then we're actually holding something back from them. Mm-hmm. And God didn't, God didn't call us to write, to keep it all to ourselves. So I like, I just said, folks, we got to just get past that feeling like you're promoting yourself. Just get out there and let people know what God has done in and through you. This is good. Exactly. What, about, what else, what else can we do? You know, um, I think it's just important to remember that um, if you have friends, which you do, uh, I'm I'm talking to you as a writer that I I am confident that you have friends. They want to hear from you. It, It is, you know, sometimes we think, well, my friends won't get me or they don't understand what I'm doing and, and none of them are writers. But yet when you go to a dinner party or you see someone, one of the first things they ask you is, what have you been up to? Right. And so if we can just remember that what, what we have to offer that people genuinely want to hear what you've been up to, especially if you have friends and family, um, close by and, and a lot of us do. So if you have friends, they want to hear from you. And, and this is where, again, we can't be shy with just the people who know us best. It's actually a really great practice ground. Um, a lot of times I will, well, I mean, it's only happened twice cause I've only written two books, but both times I would practice in front of my family and, um, have them see if what I was sharing made sense or if it was interesting to them. And so, so our friends and our family can be people that we can practice in front of and talk to about what we're working on. And that's a safe, comfortable place. So, uh, so take those opportunities when, when you can. Um, and then another thing is just that we, a lot of us have a passion. Like we have one thing that we're specifically focused on. Um, for me, it's the relationships in families. So it's mothers and daughters or fathers and daughters and mothers and sons. And, you know, um, what did I leave out? Fathers and daughters. Anyway. So, um, so those areas like that's part of my passion. And so 
I'm thinking, how can I weave in people that would be interested in those messages with my passion? Who are those people that I could reach with the passion that I have? Um, and so, so instead of feeling like you have to reach everybody and you should be on social media all the time, think about the people that you can weave in with your passion. And I think it helps to kind of identify that there are specific people that would want to hear from you. And those are the people you can start with and you can build bigger from there. But just to kind of break it down and make it not so overwhelming, uh, think about those people that would really jive with your passions. That goes all the way back to investing in our audience. We're thinking about them. And even in this area of my passion, if I can bring that across and it actually meets, meets the need of my audience, that's like a win-win. Yeah. And so I really like that because you're not being distracted from your passion and your audience. You're bringing them together. And if it's a valid way of having that connection, if that connection is validated, it's going to really grow and it will grow our audience organically because everyone who feels like they're connected to us, they're going to want to tell more people. Mm -hmm. So being able to weave that passion in with our people, that's, that's excellent. Very good. You know, I think one other hesitation that people have is like, I don't know where to start. Like all of this seems so big and I know I'm supposed to do these things, but I just hesitate because I it just, I don't even know where to begin. And I would just say to you that you don't have to be an expert on all of these things. Um, none of us are experts on all of this. We, we aren't. And that's why uh, we either, you know, have interns or we hire people to help us. And so if you aren't sure of which of these things that I've mentioned between podcasts and newsletter and blog and social media and YouTube, talk to some people. Um, you know, there's writers groups, of course, the writers groups that is associated with this podcast, the Blue Ridge Writers um, group, the different connections there. There's the reader connections, and then there's the Facebook group um, for those who have attended the conferences. But talk to people who can help you devise a plan of where do I feel like I would both, I would most spend my time that would be good investment? Cause I like being on that social media outlet or I like writing a newsletter. So how am I going to um, take what I feel called to do and create a plan and not feeling like you have to do all of it, but don't be afraid to ask for help because so many of us have learned what we've learned because we've had people showing us the way. And so mm -hmm. um, I think there's a hesitation sometimes of I'm not schooled enough uh, to do this, right. but you know, the things that really matter to us, we will invest the time, um, to learn how to do those things or to hire people or trade services, barter services with other people, um, that can, that can help you. Um, so I would just encourage listeners in that area as well. Oh, absolutely. And I do like the, the concept of bartering today. There are many of us that have found a little niche area of as writers, as speakers, where we're like, oh, no, this is real easy. If you're wanting to know how to um, or what to do with your uh, uh, metadata, oh, no, that's easy. I know how to do that. Oh, finding keywords. No, that's easy. If we're saying that's easy to someone else that it's not easy, maybe there's something that's easy for them. And to be able to take that time and say, hey, let's set up a Zoom. Let me show you what I have. You show me what you've got. And then we move forward better 
for the time together. So always going that way and Mm -hmm. knowing to knowing that it's all that it's okay to invest in ourselves and in our craft and the investment of time through tutorials. And at times it's the investment, the monetary investment. And if we are going to become better at what we do, it's like I have a phone, but if it's a flip phone, there's not a way that I'm going to be able to interact with my audience that are utilizing smartphones that are utilizing more digital. I have to be able to move into the area where I can reach them. And it's the same with investing, making a plan. If you're not a planner, I'm going to say this, don't go out and buy planners. If you're not a planner, because (laughs) you'll have a whole bunch of fun looking journals, invest in someone who is a planner that gets you in this industry and invest in them and allow them to invest in you Mm -hmm. so that they can come alongside and say, okay, if this is your goal, then let's work backwards. At this date, we have to do this. It's this, it's this, it's this, because meeting deadlines, you have to do that if you're going to be a successful writer and to be able to have someone who can show you those steps. It's worth every penny, every Mm -hmm. penny that you put forth. So that's really good. You know, Blythe, I think one of the areas of hesitation today, and I know that this has happened with me, is when other people start to speak into my life. And sometimes, I mean, it's people who have no idea what I do, but they may say some things that makes me reconsider, Mm -hmm. or maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I shouldn't do this. What, what do we do when someone else's words stop us from Hmm. moving forward? So this happens quite often where, um, I have someone that I meet and the writer will say, um, I pitched this to a publisher and they, they said that it wasn't what they were looking for and that the writing wasn't good. And so that person has pushed it aside and not looked at it since. And I feel for that person because, you know, there are so many different opinions about what what's good writing and what's a good idea. And sadly, that person probably sold themselves short because they could have presented it to some other publishers or agents like myself, and we would have had a different response. And so um, sometimes I'm hearing this conversation with publishers that where they'll say, this isn't what we're looking for, or this idea isn't fresh, or the writing doesn't convey the idea like we would want it to to show. Um, And then 24 hours later, I can talk to a publisher who can say, this is exactly what we're looking for. And this is, this is the, the approach that we want. This person's voice is readable and relatable. And so you just don't want to ever sell yourself short where, you know, one person may say something about your writing and you think I'll never present this again. And then you've missed out on someone else saying, this is, this is really good because everybody has an opinion, right? And so if you only listen to that one opinion, you're never going to know how, how far you could have gone. And that, that goes with books that goes with writing, submitting articles. Maybe you got turned down. I got turned down on on submitting some articles, but that didn't keep me from continuing to try to write for the places that I wanted to write. 
Um, so don't let someone's words become final for you. And, and just as it is with writing, so it is maybe with social media or with building an audience online with subscribers. Maybe someone told you that you needed thousands and thousands of subscribers or thousands of social media fans, and it just feels overwhelming. So you haven't done anything with that and you hesitate to do it because you feel like you're never going to measure up. And so I would just say to you, start with where you can on that side of things. You know, um, we all need people to read our work. And so you don't have to be someone who has thousands and thousands. Maybe your space is someone who has a couple of hundred and that is okay mm. because those are people who have said yes to what you're writing. And so I would just say, don't let someone's words over you keep you from moving forward. Mm. That's very good word. You have given us so much today. Thank you. Thank you for this. Do you have uh, a word that you'd like to share with our writers that maybe we haven't covered yet? I think that the word that I am sensing is keep writing. I mean, I think writers can get really caught up in where is this going? How do I pitch this? Where is this going to go? And and I just would say, keep faithfully writing what you feel that you were to write and don't worry as much about where it will land. God will make it clear to you. He will open up doors. He will lead you to people that you never thought you would know, but, but he'll lead you there. And so I would just say, continue to focus on what you love to write, no matter if it is what's selling or not selling. We all have to take into account that this is a business. So we are looking for things that are selling, but not at the expense of a writer feeling like he or she can't write what's on their heart. And so um, keep writing so that when someone asks you what you're writing, whether it's an agent or an editor, you have things to share with them. And you can say, I didn't stop, even though I was tempted to, but keep writing and to be confident in what you're writing. That, that would be what I would share. Mm, I do like that. Because that's, that's so true. Someone somewhere is going to say, what are you writing? And if we're not putting something down consistently, we hesitate. And the enemy can come in and say, see, I told you you weren't a writer. Mm -hmm. But that's not what Father says. He says, I've given you a passion. I've given you a message. Keep on writing because I already know who's going to do something with it. It's not our, not our business to know that it's just our obedience to do what he has asked us to do. So that's very, very good. Well, Blythe, I know that you're a literary agent and are you looking for new clients right now? What's going on with your agency? We are always open to people submitting their book ideas to us, um, by going to our, um, submissions website and I can share that that email at or that website is the blythedanielagency.com and then it's forward slash submissions. And on that page, you can just see um, how we would want you to go about sending in uh, what you're working on. Uh, we have some guidelines there. So I would encourage people if they are interested in having us look at um, what you're writing, um, then feel free to feel free to query us and look at, you know, our website of some of the projects that we are doing, we, we particularly focus on nonfiction for adults and kids. And then we are doing some um, children's fiction and a couple of adult fiction titles. But um, but yes, we would be happy to look at something that someone sends over. Um, generally, the turnaround time is a couple of months just because of um, 
what we already are working on, but we do, we do go through those submission emails and we'd be happy to take a look at what someone sends over. Beautiful. Beautiful. Blythe, I know that you have a new book out. It's called I Love You, Mom, and it was just released in March. So tell us about the book. Yeah, thank you. So my mom and I wanted to create a book that would really be a gift for moms of words. So the book, I Love You, Mom, Cherished Word Gifts from My Heart to Yours, is filled with stories and um, some verses that tie into a specific word gift, like you are faithful, um, you are abundant, you are forgiven. Like we have different... um, short stories and and then a page where we have written out um, those adjectives and the content behind that, that a person reading this, a mom reading this could go, oh, wow, this is neat that my son or daughter or daughter-in-law feels this way about me. And so there's a place in the beginning of the book for people to write a message to the mom that they're giving it to, and then a space at the end of the book for the person receiving it to jot down some notes or just things that could be a legacy piece for the family um, of just how they've um, interpreted the messages in the book. And so it is a four-color gift book that um, is great for for people who want to give a gift for a birthday or anniversary or Mother's Day or any occasion just to say, I love you, Mom. So that's what it's about. And uh, it it can be found on our website that we have um, called ourmendedhearts.com, both it and the book Mended, and then just some other resources. So if you're someone that would, would like to you know read more about family relationships, we'd love for you to check out ourmendedhearts.com. Oh, that's perfect. Perfect. We'll have all of this information, of course, in the show notes as well. This has been fabulous having you on, Blythe Daniel. Always enjoy your expertise. Always enjoy your encouragement. Thank you so much for being here with us on Your Best Writing Life. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time, Linda. Thank you. Oh, and I know our listeners have as well. Visit the websites. Consider what God may want you to submit to the uh, Blythe Daniel agency. If you're looking for an agent, maybe this would be a good fit for you. I just encourage you, take a look at all that we have in the show notes for you. Thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment to share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating, post an episode review, and as always, I ask you, hit that subscribe button. We'd love to have that done. I greatly appreciate what you have to say as much as I appreciate what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you for our next episode of Your Best Writing Life.